0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. And we're back, John. We are for football. For football. It's been a long time. Yes. It's been, let's see, I'm going to say probably about a day's worth of podcast material. Just a straight day of listening to me and you, Jibberjaw, <laughs> about baseball since our last football podcast. Yeah, I guess you're right. And baseball's still going on. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah. So baseball seasons are extensive
0: <laughs> in comparison. So this is officially the first episode of our third season, but at the same time, we're still recording episodes in season two. Yeah. You How right. often
1: did you hear that happen? Not a lot. It just shows how dynamic we are in yeah. the area of fantasy sports. We're trying to Absolutely. get better, and uh, hopefully we're going to be helpful. That's the key. Yeah. Well, if you follow along with baseball, we were helpful. Yes. Like,
0: no doubt about it, the calls we made, season long, peach keen, and I'm ready for baseball playoffs to start, hoping to go in, I'll definitely be one or two, with a first seed bye, and then to get that competitive league, so we'll see how that goes, but We definitely gave you the right stuff there. Football was our our baby when we started, and we got much better as the season progressed, so thank you for listening all the way through. And uh, now here we are, talking football again. Yep. So we'll see if we've improved. One thing that's interesting that I'm going to do differently this year, John, is not look at all of the stats as intently with football. Baseball and basketball, we re- are rewarded greatly when yes. it comes to fantasy sports. Knowing the ins and outs, the advanced stats. Base- football, on the other hand, we knew it all. Mm-hmm. It did help us some. It sure did. Like, I think that what, the stat that helped me last year was just like, slow. Like, if they're slow, was it was nice to know. If they're tr- Like, Dion Lewis, mm-hmm. calling into the season. Like, hey, this guy's <laughs> actually just slow and not very good. Don't draft him. Then draft him. Um, it also showed out for uh, Demarius Thomas. Like, guy has yeah. aged significantly. So we'll
1: look at stuff like that. But for the most part, it's a game of opportunity. It is. I fully agree with that a hundred percent of the time. If you're looking for a person that's going to be a consistent producer, they need opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're going to find diamonds in the rough. Like, or if we're looking at Alvin Kamara from a few years ago. He did not have clear opportunity at that point in time under Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. And then it was him. And you were like, okay, that's way too many big mouths to feed. Right. I don't, I don't trust him. But he's so dynamic that he wins the job. Mm-hmm. But those players are very often not buried on the depth chart where the coaching staff doesn't know that they're dynamic and that amazing. Right. So, opportunity from a receiver standpoint, you're not going to catch the balls unless you get thrown to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And running down. doesn't backs, matter how it,
0: good your stats look. Yes. On like pro day or what have you.
1: Completely agree. And then if you're looking at running backs, you need carries to be successful or touches in the passing game. Right. So snaps on the field is going to result in a lot of opportunity for that and your ability to shine. Right. So opportunity is lifeblood. I completely agree.
0: So in other words, we're going to realize this season for football that we're not coaching the teams and not cannot make the coaching calls on what should happen, a la, again, Tennessee
1: Titans last season. Or Green Bay Packers in my case. <laughs> we both had a guy that we were in love with yeah. that we were just like why is this uh, even a roster battle position right so like for me i was aaron or aaron jones mm-hmm. for the packers i just was looking at him as the absolute winner game over i thought he was gonna be so good but he's in mike mccarthy's doghouse yeah and then you had derrick henry somehow getting half the carries of deon lewis for the whole season right and until the very end when he just finally got 20 carries and blew up in a game yeah so. It was stupid. Put himself in the record books because that's how buried he was (laughs) in that opportunity.
0: If Vrabel would have listened to one of the podcasts early on, maybe he would have figured out that the better running back was on the bench all the way up until week 12. But hey, here we are. Here we are. (laughs) A tough rookie season for him. He made playoffs on the back of Derrick Henry in that stretch, but that was stupid looking. That was like David Bell managing a bullpen, so... I don't know. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Let's get started, John. I'm we're, ready. We're starting in NFC North, right? A- NFC North, yes, you're correct. Perfect. Because if you're about to say NFC North, I'm going to say, well, we got to start over. We
1: <laughs> pause, cut, <laughs> be back for a little bit later. Well, I'm pumped.
0: What team are we talking about first? And, and thanks for tuning in if it's your first time. Keepers, sleepers, and creepers. Keepers being people we believe in. Uh, as a preseason preview, keepers mean at that ADP or average draft position, go ahead and take them, and it's not bad. Um, sleepers being people that are ranked a little bit lower, and we think they can give you a little bit better value. And then creepers being people that are ranked a little bit high and should be down. And for the preseason preview, it's only going to be that. We'll we'll uh, throw in some and sprinkle in some different segments during the season, mm-hmm. but uh, this is a preview for you. And we're going to break down team by team and just give our three favorite players for each KSC um designation right. for you. So so that being said, John,
1: who are we starting with? Um, I have my eye on Chicago. Is that alright with you? I can do it. Sweet. So, I'll start with uh, the Chicago Bears this season. I think they're a pretty interesting team in yeah. general. They have a lot of youth in a lot of areas and unpredictability. So, one of the guys that I'm looking at as the keeper on this is a guy that I'm surprised to say keeper with and that's going to be David Montgomery running back for Chicago. Um, he was a third-round pick, um, 73rd overall, for Chicago. Um, looks to have great potential, and so this is an interesting guy to look at because if we're talking about opportunity, primarily, this guy right here is could be responsible for 250-ish carries that Jordan Howard had from last season. That he's going to be. Um, they're gonna be up for grabs in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are there is question marks in general with him because I mean rookies you don't really know how they are. Yeah. Especially Nagy's system being a little bit interesting. But they acquired Mike Davis as well in the offseason, and Tariq Cohen is back from last season, who was very effective in the passing game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was a little I'm a little hesitant to bring him in because there is competition in this particular backfield. But I really truly believe at Where he's ranked right now at 62, I think he's a really good bet as when it comes to RB28 on the Mm -hmm. season, according to ESPN at the moment. I think his role looks really good, because the people surrounding him in the draft are people like Geis, Royce Freeman, Miles Sanders, Tevin Coleman, and I think this guy has the opportunity to do more with those number of vacated carries. If David Montgomery plays well, because I mean, Mike Davis is a solid running back, but I don't think anyone's concerned about Mike Davis being a, an actual bell cow workhorse take over the whole offense, because why would you draft David Montgomery in the third round yeah. unless you're looking to use him? Right. So in, in my opinion, I think they want David Montgomery to take over that position, but Mike Davis could steal carries. Um, you're also losing some carries, especially on passing downs to Tariq Cohen, which will limit some of his value. I think that's why you're seeing him closer to the round six and not round two, like a lot of those other running backs. But... I think I really like him. I think the offense moves for the running back and the tight end primarily. Um, Trubisky likes to throw short. And so I think that's going to keep the chains moving nice and slow. And that'll give David Montgomery plenty of carries to excel.
0: Okay. And so you had him as a keeper? I have him as a keeper. Yes. You know, in Chicago, it was an interesting thing when I was doing prep for this podcast is that truthfully, I would like to just say that I am creeping on the entire team. Because they're they're twelve and four okay. last, last season, yeah. and I think they're more like an eight and eighteen. Hmm. I think, and I think heading into this season, they're not going to run the ball as much, and they're going to put it through the air a little bit more.
1: Ooh, I don't know if that'd be a smart move.
0: I don't know if it is, but I think that's what he wants to do, like kind of the Andy Reid offense. Um, we'll see if that's what happens. But I just feel like he he wants to do that. Yeah. Um, with all that being said, that is a lot of carries left behind by Jordan Howard. And with all that being said that you said, um, I, too, agree that I think David Montgomery is the keeper. Okay. Uh, and I'm even going by Yahoo ratings. And um, with that being said, he's 53 in Yahoo, so I even like him there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of concerns there. I think Mike Davis can be a more legitimate threat than what you're saying. Um, he He's a very good ball catcher, too. Um, he, he kind of mimics what David M- Montgomery can bring. Uh, and he does feel a little bit Royce Freeman-esque. And you even mentioned Royce Freeman where he's at in the draft. And Royce Freeman was drafted third overall. and you Not third overall, but in the third round. And you said, well, if they're drafting him in the third round, then that means they want to use him. Well, they didn't use Royce Freeman last season for Denver.
1: Unbelievably.
0: So, so it, feels, it feels like that situation almost. However, I think David Montgomery, I think they moved up because they think David Montgomery really fits what uh, Nagy wants to do mm-hmm. on, on offense. So if it all clicks out well... And I mean, there's a lot of concern there because Mike Davis took first round reps with, in the first preseason game too. So there's concern there. But if it's looking like he's going to be on the first team, uh, especially in a keeper league, I, I like him. I, I do. I think he's safe. But at the same time, I'm creeping on him. Because, I'm creeping on this whole team because yeah. I'd rather go elsewhere. But I think he's the safest
1: lock. I will completely agree with you. I think a crowded backfield is a scary backfield in most cases and David Montgomery has a like you said a competition with Mike Davis. I think it's very important to note that because they're the same style of running back. Yeah. So one of them could just completely run away with the job. Yeah. My money's more on Montgomery for it because the upside there. Right. But Davis, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. He
0: did the, he did the same thing to Rashad Penny last season pretty much. Yeah. And I, I mean, I agree. so it's going to be interesting, but I got him as a keeper. I'm on, I'm aboard board with what you're saying. Yeah. I think the, I think the benefits outweigh the risks, but there's so many risks that me personally, I may go elsewhere in the draft. Yeah. And I that's why uh, I Especially like deeper. you mentioned Tevin Coleman. I, I think I would take Tevin Coleman over Dave Montgomery.
1: I, I think that's a very interesting debate because. And we'll talk about that when we move along in the. In, in this segment, I guarantee you, I will talk about Cohen as well. Um, I have him as a sleeper, but. I do think D- David Montgomery as well is... Uh, I said Tevin Coleman. Oh, oh, Tevin Coleman. I'm
0: sorry. I yes. misheard.
1: Selective hearing there. Yeah,
0: because you mentioned him and the people he's grouped around. I would yeah. I'd probably take Tevin Coleman over David Montgomery.
1: Coleman's very interesting as well, for sure. So, um, But I will say Montgomery as well, just as a little side note, preseason games don't really matter. Let me be very clear on that. But Montgomery had a pretty impressive-looking highlight reel in that uh, preseason game the other day, he was cutting well. He mm-hmm. looks like he has great balance. He doesn't. He seems like he has a good balance of power and speed. He caught the ball on a screen pass, nice screen, yeah, and, and moved it upfield. So, it's good things to see as well. But like you said, if Mike Davis is dressing up with ones right now, then <laughs> well,
0: it's we about have a different opportunity. answer. It's about opportunity.
1: I completely agree. So, there you go. So he's a guy to keep an eye on, but I think around the sixth round, I think he's pretty good value. Well, you foreshadowed sleeper. Does that mean we're going sleeper next? I was planning sleeper. All right, go for it. Um, I'm bringing up my man, Tariq Cohen. Um, I think he's definitely an underrated running back because what we're talking about is opportunity to being a, a big key uh, thing for running backs and receivers in the NFL. And he's the only one that has a defined role in the offense. He was a guy that had 12.4 points per game last season. He was ranked 13th last season in running backs in general. So that means he's an RB2 last season. And that was weird because Jordan Howard outtouched him last season. But he was very efficient in the passing game and the rushing game. He had uh, 725 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns last year. And I don't think that's what you're going to be seeing from a guy like David Montgomery or Mike Davis. So I think he retains his role there as a third-down running back and involved in passing downs but he still averaged 4.5 yards of carry and 444 yards last season um, on the ground. So I think he's a very similar running back in my mind to a guy like James White in another crowded backfield, but James White is rated at 61 right now, according to Yahoo, instead of Tariq Cohen, who is uh, much farther down in the rankings. So in my opinion, I think that Tariq Cohen is being undervalued, especially because the Chicago offense didn't do a good job pushing the ball down the field last season to wide receivers. Um, There's a lot of people involved in the receiving game from a receiver standpoint, and the tight end's pretty interesting with Burton. But I just think with all the inefficiencies of Jordan Howard and the the question marks with the Chicago backfield in general with David Montgomery and Mike Davis, I think I like them both as a group. Whoever plays running back one for this team, which won't be Cohen, I think is very appealing, but I like him. I mean, he had 91 targets, third on the team behind Allen Robinson uh, as their leader, and I mean, he's only looking at being a couple of targets down behind him in the offense from last year. So I really like him, I think he's being undervalued.
0: You know, maybe in a PPR league, again we do base our stuff mainly on standard scoring because we think standard scoring awards the best players. What they do with the ball, yards after catch, what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, Randos can get fed the ball catches and they become way too relevant. So we actually like standard scoring, if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing. That's true. Um, So with that being said, I I see your argument, Treat Cohen, for PPR, but I actually have him as a creeper. Creeper? At Yahoo's rank of 73, I have him as a creeper. Um, And what really spurred my thinking, because on paper what you said all makes sense, but what spurred my thinking is I saw this tweet, and it said that for running backs that finish top 24, I forget the span, but there was only like one guy that had done it, so running backs that finish top 24 points per game in fantasy sports that have 70% or more um, of their points coming from passing yards and passing plays like Tarek Cohen does. Mm-hmm. The only person that's consecutively finished as a RB2 or higher was Darren Sproles back in 2011-2012. So these guys do not do this consecutively very much for career years. And we even saw Cohen fall off in the, last, in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. He did. Um, and he had one passing touchdown plus um, eight other you know, combined touchdowns. I don't think he gets that many this year. Um, Allen Robinson, and Anthony Miller being healthy, um, I think they're going to air it out more as an air it out more, not just dump it off to Cohen. And I think David Montgomery, he's a much better receiver than we're giving him credit for. And even Davis can receive, so if he plays, you know, first he could steal some third downs from um, Treat Cohen as well. I just think he's going to lose, and he's not going to have the. The touchdown savviness that he did last season, so I don't think he's safe. And especially here in that that stat, where we mentioned people like David White, who seem consistent and seem very good, but if we're looking, you know, about once a decade, these guys actually finish RB two or higher consecutively. Stats don't lie, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm not feeling them this hmm. year.
1: Interesting. We'll see. I'm looking at him as a guy that's just interesting. I mean, I also had him at 85 in my rankings, but I mean, your point would still be valid. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, this list had him at 126, but yours had him at 74, and so our opinions are different. But I think he's being a little underrated in in general in in comparison to other running backs that are higher that have equal question marks. But I think if David Montgomery takes over, like I kind of expect to happen, there's a chance that cuts into Cohen's playing time a little bit more. But I like him. In, In general, as the sleeper, I like him. But I'm definitely not throwing out draft strategies, and he's not one of my probably top five sleepers on the season. So it is a thing to keep in mind as a general outlook that I agree with you in general. The Bears is a pretty questionable offense to go for. Right. Their defense is excellent. But Trubisky's pretty inconsistent. I mean, there were so many games where he looked amazing. Right. And I think 25% of his touchdowns came in one game last season. <laughs> which is nuts. But the, he would be so on and off that it was very difficult to see what sort of player he was really going to be yeah. in a game to game basis right and so i don't i think he's going to be throwing it shorter than deeper especially with his supporting cast that he has on offense so that's why i think cohen seems like one of the safer players for, mm-hmm. to be involved to repeat and and be the 13th overall running back i'm not saying that yeah. either to be fair because like you said Receiving running backs don't do as well. I got right. burned on that, and, and
0: that stands true for PPR too. They just don't consecutively do it. So
1: my first thought is Thompson for Washington, right? Who I loved him last season, but injuries. Yeah, these sorts of these style of players have durability concerns consistently, as well as the fact that being involved in the passing game that consecutively or plays designed to go to them is irregular for players that aren't dynamic. So, and the bottom line is Chicago is not that good of an offense to support all these names. Yeah, that is that is bottom line. I completely agree.
0: With that being said, since I have it just gave my creepers feel and we're on sleepers still, I'm going to go ahead and run my sleeper out there, mm-hmm. and that's Mr. Anthony Miller coming into a sophomore season. Um, I think he is probably, truthfully, the only person I'm not creeping on to have a better season than he did last season. Not saying, again, like you said, this isn't one of my top favorite sleepers out there, but... I think he's got a good chance to excel this season in comparison to last season. Coming in with leaving that shoulder injury behind, which is a nagging injury he had all season, he still performed pretty well despite that, converting a very good amount of his red zone looks. And that's what I really like about him. is his ability to get open in the red zone and get those touchdowns, which really separate you know, the good wide receivers. So that's awesome. And I think this year he's going to jump Taylor Gabriel, who is just a waste of a reception, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, like not doing much when he gets that
1: ball. He's a weird guy. I mean, he's one of those guys that has had individual games that look good, but he's never been able to put up anything consecutively. Yeah. And he's not very utilized in the red zone at all consistently in his career.
0: I mean, I just don't think he's that talented. So I think um, Anthony Miller is more talented. I think he jumps Taylor Gabriel, and he could potentially, and at the same time, I don't know how you feel about Alan Robinson. I don't know how I feel about Alan Robinson. Not the guy I want um, to be my wide receiver one, that's certain. Yes. Um, Not even... Sure, if I'm going to take him to be my wide receiver two and feel very confident about that. But if you tell me at the end, I don't think this happens. I think Allen Robinson has a better season than Anthony Miller, probably, you know, with a relative margin, but probably. But at the same time, if somebody were telling tell me that Anthony Miller has a better season than Allen Robinson this year, I'd be like, okay.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, when you're looking at just the touchdown differential, it's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven versus four is uh, pretty. Pretty stout, yep. not, noticeable in general in one season. So if they're giving him the ball in the red zone uh, over him already, along mm-hmm. with the fact that we already have Burton, who's a relevant red zone target. There's just too many uh, names. As well as all the running backs. Yeah, yeah. I, I am highly concerned.
0: Yeah, there's too many names for Tubisky to get that many people involved. Again, I, I mm. just think it's an overrated team.
1: I certainly agree. And I have Allen Robinson as a creeper as well so far in this season. He's ranked 58 overall right now and 29th at wide receiver. So when you hear 29th at wide receiver, I'm kind of like, oh, I mean, okay, I can get behind a little bit of that. Yeah. But I just want to highlight some of the risk because he's a bigger name at where he's listed in the draft. But in 2017, he missed the whole season with a big injury. So he had like one catch for 17 yards. Mm-hmm. You, you hate to see that, but he came back and he was healthy for the most part last season. Yeah, He led the team in targets with 94. That's a thing to like. But he only caught 55 balls on 94 targets. That's probably more in, of an indicative statement on Trubisky's ineffectiveness more than it is Robinson's. Mm-hmm. But they go hand in hand. I mean, the only competition is Taylor Gabriel and Miller. And I mean, I don't think I'm looking at either one like... Oh, they're definitely going to usurp him as a number one for sure from a schematic standpoint right this season in chicago but i don't know i i think he's a wide out one on the team but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a great one in general mm-hmm. so for me with miller with all the targets for 54 from last season as well as taylor with gabriel with 93 targets which kind of blew my mind but he caught 67. That's just
0: insane. That's a huge flaw to an offense.
1: I completely agree. But he caught 67 of the 93 instead of the. And s- made it
0: for like 62 and a half yards or something, bro. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think it was. It was uh, like that's
0: that's why I don't like about PPR. Like, Taylor Gabriel shouldn't function. Yeah. And then he becomes relevant in
1: that. And it's he, just, he would be a good flex receiver in PPR. Right. Because I'm, he had 67 receptions for 688. Right. So, I mean, that's legitimate ish numbers for a PPR. That's the crux against PPR in my opinion. A lot of people enjoy it
0: and I do condone that and I I commission a couple of leagues that are PPR but that's stupid. I hate that Taylor Gabriel's like outscoring some I don't know.
1: I can see I don't know. I I have mixed feelings. Like I look at it because no matter what system you look at, it's you're going to get inc- incorrect or inappropriate values for people because mm-hmm. like if you're a receiver that catches 12 balls in a game and get 10 first downs on it, but you're only at like 85 yards, you are a huge contributor to your actual team yeah. in real life, mm-hmm. but the, your stat line's gonna be eight in standard scoring. Yeah. But PPR increases their points because of the impact they made consistently throughout the game.
0: But, what I'm but the flip did, side of the yeah. coin
1: is, if you catch five balls for three yards, you have a legitimate fantasy day from a PPR standpoint where it doesn't kill your team, right. but you have three yards, it doesn't matter. So yeah. standard gives you a more accurate representation in those areas. So, I don't know. That's our crux. That's
0: just my preference as standard. But, again, I understand PPR. I understand the... the, I like PPR in deeper leagues. So, savvy managers can still function well, but in shower leagues, uh, get out of here. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Cool. But I'll also say that, just from a full disclosure on Robinson, there is upside, even though I don't like him as much, at 58 here. Um, He had 153 targets and 151 targets in jacksonville in back-to-back years a little while ago and one of those seasons was 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns Mm -hmm. so that was in 2015 i believe yes 2015 and then he followed that up in the 2016 with the 883 yards and six touchdowns on that heavy target year so he's never really been an efficient guy and he's more of a downfield receiver but i just think With as inconsistent as he has been as a player, that sounds really hard for me to give up my fifth or sixth round pick to get a guy like Allen Robinson. I think I would just be looking at getting T the people right before him because, in my opinion, he's the cliff marker. For it's very hard to get a a relevant wide receiver after him because we're looking at T Y or uh, Tyler Boyd, Ridley, A J Green, and Cooper Cup right in front of him, Mm -hmm. which I like all of them better than I would like Allen Robinson coming into the season. I mean, Cooper Cup probably the least of them, but I don't know. I think it's just a really bit of a a shallower wide receiver league than what I'm usually used to seeing in the NFL. And Allen Robinson may make it up into where he's at and not be a total crux because yeah. of that. But he's a very inconsistent guy that's hard to trust. So like you said, if you have him as your wide out one or two, I think you're feeling pretty rough.
0: Two, I think he is a two. I think he is a wide receiver two, but he's just not the one I would want. But if you end up with him it's not a horrible thing. I'm not creeping on him super hard. Yeah, Last year was agree. his most like efficient stat-wise number um season that he's ever had. And he had that beautiful playoff game. Who knows if they are going to air it out like they are talking about and like Niggy wants to do I think then he becomes a little bit more intriguing if Trubisky can do that. But but I agree with you. I'm not like I said I'm kind of creeping on this whole team yeah if but you
1: can get him around the 7th or 8th round I'm feeling way better than the 6th like yeah. I think just a little bit lower is good for him
0: yeah but it's not a huge creep I it's not really like they agree. really dropped the ball I don't know we'll see what happens alright a lot of Chicago talk for two people who don't really care about the Bears but <laughs> that's true <laughs> where are we going next in the wide world of the NFL
1: um I was thinking Minnesota How about Minnesota, Minnesota?
0: okay you
1: want to start this time I can. I bet you we probably have the same
0: thing for Keeper.
1: Probably, yeah. You think so? I think so.
0: Three, two,
1: one, Theon. Thielen.
0: Cook. No. Oh! Dalvin <laughs> hey, Cook.
1: Intrigue. Okay. So, uh,
0: Keeper, Dalvin Cook at 16. Um, everything is set up for him to succeed if he stays healthy. Gary Kubiak coming in to be the off- um, offensive advisor. Everywhere he's ever been, he's already upgraded the offensive running game. Um, a great zone rusher. Um, that's going to benefit Dalvin Cook. Taking Garrett Bradbury, um, number 18 overall in the draft. Got to love that. Zimmer saying that good teams run the football. Run, 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 run the football. He is going to get tons of volume if he can stay healthy. With that being said, if you're taking him, I'd probably look to add Alexander Madison because I think he is the backup. Mm-hmm. A 5'11", 220 pounder that runs a 4'4, 40. So you like that. But, and. It's not the most beautiful schedule, and the line still has some improvement to do, but when you bring in all of this to help, that is bringing in Kubiak, bringing in an offensive coordinator that wants to run the ball too, and stavansky i and having Zimmer that wants to run the ball, mm-hmm. three minds that want to run the ball, improvement to the offensive line um People have had success doing it before, and Dalvin Cook, who albeit very unproven, is unquestionably the bell cow there i'm I'm liking him if I take him. I'm feeling confident if, it, if he can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, that's the big thing. I actually have Dalvin as a creeper for that same reason, and it's just because I'm afraid of him. He's only played in 13 games in his whole career in two seasons. Yeah, That hurts. I know injuries are a hard thing to predict because they're impossible, and even the most injury-prone people will put it together. And that's the thing that pains me to say this, because I think Dalvin Cook's ability is clearly there. He had 920 yards with four touchdowns in 11 games last year. From a, That's total yards, just to be very clear. So we're talking receiving plus rushing. Um, his efficiency has always been good as a running back, and he's involved in the pass game as well. That is I think that functions for sure with Minnesota mm-hmm. based on their talent they have on that offense. But I, I just see with injuries and then them drafting a running back in the third round, Mattinson, or Madison, I think you have to handcuff.
0: You have it, to handcuff. I, I'm with, fine with him. that. But if you, even if you if do you handcuff him. I honestly think you could put, you know, Johnny be good as a running back here and they're going <laughs> to succeed. So if you're telling me uh, that you got it if you take Cook, you have to get Madison, what's Madison going to be like a 15th round pick, last of the draft? And he's going to give you a tick off of what Cook can do. Yeah. So for that reason I'm not too scared about Cook.
1: When Cook's healthy, I, I do like him, but I don't. I don't know. I, I'm worried. I mean, especially because Minnesota threw the ball so extensively last season. Like you said, they're on their approach standpoint. They are looking to run more. Yeah. I fully believe they will. It makes too much sense not to do it. Yeah. They were saying that even last season, and they fired their offensive coordinator for throwing as right. much as they did, even though right. they were moving the ball great through the air when they were doing that. So, it, it's a little kind of scary. But to me, I. I would just move him down a hair, just a tick, in the draft boards just because I think it's hard for me to take him in the borderline first-round pick, late, or very early second-round pick area for a guy that can't consistently stay healthy. So I, I'm a little worried, especially I, with the way that their offensive line is rated 25th overall, according to Pro Football Focus preseason Yeah, right like Yeah, it's not the best line, but I think Kubiak automatically
0: is going to help it. And here's the thing, too, it about should. injuries. I agree. You don't want the injury history. Oh, the running backs and the pros, it doesn't really matter if they have an injury history. They're probably going to have an injury, you know? Yeah. You hate to see the history, but at the same time, you walk in David Johnson a couple years ago, and you're Mm like, I'm locked. I got the most durable guy in the league, and it's like a wrist injury. It's like... Injury history matters somewhat, but it's such a physical game that anybody can go down at any point in time. Yes. And at the same time, these people with injury histories all of a sudden put together healthy seasons. And,
1: they'll, they'll put it together. You know? I mean, looking back at the most injury-prone person I've ever watched, and that's Darren McFadden. Yeah. Every year, you were like, how many games you get? Six mm-hmm. out of him? But he was good when he was playing.
0: The only person that I think is destined to hurt every year is Tyler Eifert
1: you're right about that <laughs> him and Jordan Reed have miserable attempts but Eifert's on a whole new level yeah and every time it's something major like broken yeah. leg broken elbow broken <laughs> forearm broken back and you're like what? you're <laughs> right. you made of glass man you're right so I I don't know it I will say you're right and to me Dalvin Cook is a person that and what was it last year? Hamstring? I think so so I
0: mean come on yeah. Does he, he tweak be... the hamstring again and it's that devastating? I don't know.
1: I mean, if he rested as much as he did, probably not. If you if you play through it, yeah, it could be lingering for a while, but I don't know. Long off season. We'll see. Cook, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's just, I, I think I would want him a little lower. Yeah,
0: I hear what you're saying. For sure. Because I love him. Like, yeah. last
1: year he was one of my favorite players coming into this season. Yeah,
0: it hurt. I had him and for net on my team. It was, a, it was a tough start to the season, I'll say nonetheless. Yeah, no yeah. joke. I hated their hamstrings.
1: And that's why it's important, like you said, to to have the options and planning of going deeper in the draft yeah. to add extra running backs to safeguard against Cook. Right. Because when he's playing, he's effective, and he's efficient, and he's involved in every game, sk- or no matter what the game flow is. He's, mm-hmm. He can be involved in the passing game, rushing game. He's the primary three-down mm-hmm. back. He's excellent. But if you have another good earlier fourth, fifth, sixth-round running back, added to your roster and you don't just go quarterback tight end wide receiver running back and then he's your running back and then your depth is killed there you could lose a lot of effectiveness from your roster that way so just try to be a little more running back focused if you go with a guy like Dalvin Cook that's my advice
0: all right you want to go ahead with yours
1: yeah sure I'm gonna go with Adam Thielen because I I just actually can't figure out anything that's wrong with him He's over the last 2 years, he's been one of the most consistent people in the NFL, over 1200 yards both seasons, 1375, no, sorry, I'm sorry, 1373 last season with 113 catches and 9 touchdowns. Holy moly. What what a year. So, with him really becoming a, an actual factor in repeating last season when I was very skeptical that he would be able to play as well as he did coming into the season. Obviously, there's a lot of Kirk Cousins chemistry there and I just think he looks really good. He's right now listed at 30th according to ESPN, 13th wideout in the draft, and that just seems kind of low Like from a guy that has been as good as he has been. I know they're talking about running more, but they don't even have a legitimate third wideout to really throw to. I think it's Beagle, Beetle or something? BB or something. BB? Yeah, that sounds right. So... I don't think you're looking at a real threat coming out of nowhere f- yeah. from a guy that was there on the team last season. So him and Diggs are going to be the primary passing weapons in this offense, and I think there's enough targets to go around to keep him up in this upper tier, even if they do go to more runs.
0: See? And here we flip-flop again, because he's actually my creeper. Whoa! So, and and I'm I hear what you're saying, but it's not swaying me whatsoever. I'm still stuck on he's a creeper. His second half production is much more like what he's going to give you even if they're that pass-heavy. But you don't like to see when his second-half production started even before Stefanski got there. Stefanski's here. They're saying, let's run the ball. So there's not going to be 600 pass attempts at all by Kirk Cousins this season. Not going to happen. So there isn't a guy that's going to steal targets from Thielen, but there's just going to be less targets. Um, and I think based on the words of Stefanski getting there, he's like, there are some problems with this offense last year. One of the biggest problems is how quick and shallow Diggs run his routes because based on his numbers of separation... And his yards after the catch, he is just the more talented athlete than Adam Thielen. Um, Diggs is already beating him last season, despite all those pass attempts in red zone looks um, over Thielen, which is huge. And Stefanski is saying, I am not letting Diggs run these shallow routes. We're going to go back to play action, and we're getting Diggs the ball deeper downfield this year. Um, I think Diggs is their number one. I think Thielen is going to be the clear number two this season. I think it's still a great duo, and it'll be close in between the two. But I think Diggs gets more meaningful passes this year. And I think there's less to go around. And the red zone looks should favor Diggs. So I just think Thielen is actually going to be true to his second half form of last season. I think that's the true Thielen. Hmm. And on a run first team, I don't want the true Thielen.
1: Man. Yep. You're going to ignore that incredible 100-yard consistent Yes, I am absolutely going to ignore that. Whoa. That just blows my mind because of the consistency of targets and everything. And I know that will go down a bit, but I'm still looking at, like, you're probably floating around 60, 70 yards almost every game from his productivity. We'll see. I'm
0: I'm just not. I'm not feeling it.
1: I do love... You're right on Diggs, though. I think he was the more talented guy, and he was last season. That's what you and me both agreed on, is Mm -hmm. that he's got to be the number one coming into this season. And he's going up and up and up.
0: There's no signs of him slowing down every season. And feeling on the same diet... I mean, you know, if you're talking about, like, two seasons in a row, Scooter Jeanette put up two seasons in a row, and I'm still like, I don't know if he's actually that, that solid of a hitter, um, you know? so yeah. So, yeah. you can put up two seasons, I feel like he had tons of opportunities, 600 pass, pass attempts, somebody's looking good there for a hot second. I don't know. I'm just not trusting him. Not at 33 where I got him on Yahoo's ranking, so
1: hmm.
0: I'm moving him down, picking up somebody with a higher ceiling, because I think ceiling for Phelan's down this year. That's probably true in a PPR league I think I like Thielen more but I don't think he gets the red zone stuff especially Cook Cook back he's going to get more touchdowns you would think I bet you Rudolph finds some more touchdowns this year than he did last season but yeah it would usually fit with teams that run more throw more to the tight end typically on average well then we got our keepers and our creepers out of the way and we still haven't touched the (laughs) sleeper yeah
1: we haven't (laughs) what a twist what's your sleeper and I think you're going to disagree with me but I'm going to say Kirk Cousins oh I'm not
0: I'm saying Kirk Cousins.
1: Oh, whoa. Even after the not throwing as much comments. Well, which is you, can throw true. The ball, you can throw
0: the ball a lot and still be inefficient, which they truly were. Mm-hmm. Tons of numbers put up, but it was an inefficient amount. It was about above average.
1: I don't know. I look at that as 70% completion percentage is getting it done yeah. from a quarterback.
0: I mean, you can look at, 4, Derek, 000... Carr's, look at Derek Carr's Completing percentage. Okay. There, there's an inefficiency. Touche. Touche. Right.
1: He did have a game where he had like a 95% completion percentage right. or something crazy in it. And, I, and completion percentage isn't like the number, but it's also interesting because you don't really see that from a guy that has to throw to wide receivers, right? Because if you're going on guys. completing
0: percentage, you look at, I'll he was injured last year, but you, <laughs> you could say, oh my gosh, I'm having a mind blank. Who? Alex Smith? No, 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 no. The Green Bay quarterback Rodgers. Yeah, Rodgers, because mm. it was in the the shoots last season. <laughs> yeah. who's, a, who's a better quarterback, Derek Carr or Rodgers? Rodgers,
1: like <laughs> for sure, Rodgers. Yes. Yeah. But I'll I'll agree with you. I mean, it, completion percentage isn't everything. But a seventy percent completion percentage on top of four thousand two hundred ninety eight yards, thirty touchdowns, ten picks, thirty touchdowns is his career high. Seventy percent completion percentage was his career high yardage totals were in the upper tier of what he was looking at and 10 INTs is by far the least that he's done in a season where he was actually throwing yeah, for the amount of passes. I like that. That's the stat I think I like most from last season. It it was an eye-opening season for me with Cousins and I mean he started unbelievable and then faded mm-hmm. down the stretch like a lot of their offense but I think especially with the weapons he still has in this offense which I would say is Diggs, Thielen, Cooks, and Rudolph. I think that even though the offensive line is 25th rated and i know that is a problem um but like you said they brought in things to help fix some of that but i think they were they're aiming at run first so i know you're not probably going to get exactly this volume of passing but i think kirk cousins is being criminally underrated at quarterback 20 this season yeah 183rd i know it's a deep quarterback year yeah but I wouldn't even think it would be unreal if you could see him as a quarterback 12, quarterback 10 on the season. Like, very, very low-end starter, especially if you play the matchups the right way with him.
0: I think he's still maybe matchup dependent. I'm just yeah, I agree, he's better than QB 20. But this year's so deep with QBs. It's incredibly. Like deep. you say, oh, he shouldn't be QB 20, he should be a little bit higher. But then you look at QB 1 through 19, and you're like, well, maybe not too much higher. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm agreeing that I think, yeah, tons of volume. Cool completion percentage. Um, I did like the decrease, especially in that many passing attempts for interceptions. That was nice to see out of Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. But it was still ineffective. I still felt like it was a bunch of field goals. Um, there's a lot of more touchdowns to be had there. 100% agree with that, yeah. So I don't think you see near the amount of volume. But I think what volume you see is going to be a lot more effective for the Vikings on a whole this season. Honestly, I could see the Vikings and the Bears that we just talked about just flip-flopping the seasons that they had a year ago.
1: 100% And it would be
0: more legitimate on who's the better team.
1: Because the Vikings didn't make that many roster changes for a team that I thought was the best NFC team last season. Yeah. I had them as Super Bowl bound. hmm And I couldn't have been more wrong, but also, I don't know how I was that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still looking at this team like, it has everything set up to be so good.
0: They're going to be good this season.
1: And I agree with better you. Better than the Bears. I also agree. Bears' defense might be slightly better, but this offense is, is, is way, way better. better.
0: And, and the Vikings' defense isn't bad. Yeah, the Vikings' defense looked exploited because I think they're on the field a little bit too much. I and, don't know if stats support that, but I'm just thinking in my head.
1: Their cornerback play was not great, but their primary right. is excellent. Right. So they're going to be able to stop the run against almost anybody, which is huge. And then they can get their cornerbacks and safeties and DBs worked out a lot better yep. with a little bit of time. They just need to run the ball more.
0: It'll help out the team a whole bunch, and that's what they're going to do. Yes. Cool. I have nothing left with the Vikings. You want to move on? I'm ready. Yep. Where are we going to next? Let's Uh, go to Detroit. I'm actually going to make the call because I don't want to end the first episode on Detroit. Yeah, that's a bad one.
1: And, I mean, let's look at it. There's probably the most Green Bay fans in general nationwide if we're looking Mm -hmm. at this. More so than uh, probably between them and Chicago. And then so... Let's end with every the high note of what most people are probably looking in for.
0: And then we'll hear the three-fourths the three way through. We'll ask Detroit people why they're a fan of the Detroit Lions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. I, I'm not asking why they're a fan. I'm asking, how are you this mentally strong? Yeah, because, that's true. Because I will give an immense amount of respect for anyone that's a Detroit Lions fan because yeah. arguably they've had the hardest life.
0: I don't know. I don't. Know. There's there's teams. It's it's been a hard life to be a Red's fan this season. <laughs> but the the Lions just don't bring yeah. it to the table to me. But. If
1: we're going multi sports, yeah, they're probably a little bit less pit, pitiful than a couple of other people. But Detroit life is hard. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's start with them. Um, start with our usual format, or go backwards. What do you want to do?
1: We can go usual format. Okay. Let's do it. Start us off. This, I struggled so hard with these, this Lions team because I think there's a lot of people on this team that have the ability to play better than what they did last season. Okay. But also, their resumes are so small and inconsistent based on what they have. Almost everyone that has a good has a bad to them. But I'm going to go with on Johnson as my keeper on this particular team. I'm
0: going to agree with you.
1: Okay. Let's see if we can
0: agree all the way through. It'll be interesting. I, yeah, we might. There's a chance, I guess.
1: But he's ranked it right now at 35 16th best running back. Pro Football Focus had their offensive line at 15th, which is kind of surprising because I didn't know a whole lot about the Detroit offensive line, so I had to go do a little bit of digging. But they're at least in the decent area there. They made some improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, Carry-on Johnson was incredibly effective last season at a 5.4 clip per yards per carry. Yeah. You love to see that, especially considering you have actual comparisons that it's not just their offensive line. Yeah. LeGarrette Blunt was completely inefficient. Yeah. To hear that he was getting
0: handoffs last season was hilarious.
1: I I don't know how you could ever warrant that. right? And (laughs) kind of comically, they picked up a person that might mimic him closer than most people would. I mean, I think it's definitely a better acquisition, so don't get me wrong. But C.J. Anderson is definitely a blunt force trauma sort of running back there. he's
0: my He's my sleeper, so we'll get to him. Okay. That's fine. That's fine.
1: But... And he was efficient last year, just to be very clear. But anyway... Carry on Johnson in comparison to Laguerre Blunt was night and day difference. Yeah. So to, that shows he has clearly more potential and more ability, and that's great. And he was injured last game or last season for 10 games or after 10 games of the season, injuring knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hate to see that, and knees aren't exactly what you'd like to see from an injury standpoint. Could have been worse. Could have been way worse. But yeah. Yes. But I think he seems like a very fine RB2 on paper with RB1 upside. And that's what I'm really looking for around here in this third round. Yeah. For a guy that can overproduce on his general stat line, especially because Detroit went to a run-first scheme last season. Right. And they have C.J. Anderson being picked up, and Zach Jenner is also a good, powerful running back sort of cutout here. Yeah. And they got rid of Theo Riddick, right. who is the person that was definitely the third-down running back there. So that that points very much in the direction to me that they're not going to be using a more balanced Stafford-aired-out approach going mm-hmm. forward. And uh, that points a lot to me seeing Carryon Johnson be an effective running back if he can stay healthy. He did have um, a little bit of a smaller sample size than other running backs being a young running back, but that's kind of what you want. You yeah. want young, exciting running backs with a little bit on paper to show you that they're good. So I think if you wanted to take him up to, up to 23 in the draft, I would have no problem with that. Because I think he, he can warrant third-round value very easily.
0: I'm saying he's a keeper. I agree with you. I'm going to say that Daryl Bevel, that Patricia brought in, he brought him in because he loves to run the ball. Look at success in the past, and that's with the Vikings and with Seattle, with Russell Wilson, Adrian Peterson, great running teams, and this is going to be a much more run-more, pass-less, ideally, Lions team, and that benefits on Johnson. I agree with you that Kerryon Johnson's super talented, too, so on paper... Maybe he's an RB1, but not only, we already said, it's about opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to temper the expectation just a bit, because it's about opportunity, not only on the team, like, with handoffs and everything, but it's also opportunity with the team you're on. And I don't think the Lions can support an RB1. That's where, like, I see what you're saying. yeah. If the Lions were playing the Lions, then he could be an (laughs) RB1. But you look at the games that they're playing, and they're playing against the Bears, Vikings, and Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers
1: have a much better defense this year than they have in the last five. But
0: game script isn't going to... Even if the Packers didn't, the Packers' offense is going to blow the Lions off the field, and they're not going to be able to hand the ball off. Like Ideally, they want to run the ball more, but can they? You know? That's a valid point. Um, I think they're going to try their darndest to. And I think it's the best thing for the team. But there's just not that good of a team. Um, So, but I agree with you. I think he's a keeper. I think he's a solid RB2 with the RB1 potential showing up in some weeks. But I don't think for the season he can perform RB1. Because I don't think the Lions are good enough.
1: Um, And they were really horrendous from a run defensive perspective. Which means keep away from their offense as well. Which is another fair point. Yeah. So, with all that being said, but I still like Carry On Johnson. And it's nice
0: that Riddick's gone, so the passes are going to go to Carry On Johnson, too. Yeah. Which does, you know, keep him RB2 status. It's just the Lions suck. Like, I think the Bears were overrated, but the Bears are way better than the Lions, I think. so. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And Stafford's on his way
1: out. I didn't know he was as inefficient as he was last season. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. So, that, not a fun time to be a fan of them. But um, it will be
0: tough. In my opinion, when we're talking about sleepers, I think in this division, if you were to say, um, you know, quarterback number one, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback number two, I think it's actually hands down Kirk Cousins. And then I'd go Trubisky, then I'd go Matt Stafford.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think Trubisky's getting a lot of love because... Just because he's got the dual threat kind of to him. Dual threat and his ceiling is high in in individual games last season from the way he played that people think he might be very legitimate. Yeah. But I think he's a few more years away from being a proven... Trustworthy quarterback. Yeah. All right then, we agree with our keepers. We want to move down. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna go with my sleeper being Marvin Jones. So Detroit wide receiver, ranked 65 overall and 31 um, overall. He had uh, 2017. He had 108 targets for 61 yards. Or this is 2017. Sorry. 200 108 targets and 61 catches for 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. And that was his best year um, for sure mm-hmm. in, in this regard. He wasn't particularly. Efficient, but also he's a downfield receiver, and Stafford hasn't been efficient anyway. Yeah, Last season, he had 62 catches or targets for 35 catches, 508 yards and five touchdowns um, before he got hurt. So I know it was very disappointing for a lot of the owners in that way, but with Golden Tate being on the way out as well, it kind of opens up a little bit of the opportunities for him again, I think. And then Theoretic, 74 targets are gone. And in this offense, I don't see who's going to get the ball besides Jones and... Maybe Hawkinson, who I'm going to give a an honorable mention to, not from a don't draft... I'm not looking for you to draft him in fantasy, but keep an eye on him because he's such a highly rated tight end. But I think it'll be more like O.J. Howard for him in general, where you might, it might take a few years before we see him be really relevant. Yeah, but That's kind of a whole different discussion. But anyway, he, he was a disappointment last year from a production standpoint. But they added Amendola and then Hawkinson on the season, but I think Jones has a much better outlook than them from being involved. And as a negative, he had, or a positive, but I guess a negative from last season, he had 33% of his balls registered as targeted to him as off target. That is the second highest rate in the NFL. So it shows that even though his efficiency was down a bit from last year at about like target rate to catch 50%, he also wasn't having accurate balls delivered to him very well. So with, with the knee injury last year happening in week 10, he lost like six games. So. I think there's a real case that he could be involved a little bit more heavily, and I think he has legitimate value. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like, actually, Marvin Jones, I think, more than Galladay. It's close. It's very close.
1: Galladay's interesting, and I think I'm apt to agree with you.
0: We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Sleeper for me, like I've already said and kind of gave away early, is C.J. Anderson. And um, he's better than Blunt because Blunt was, like... Pushing over a statue behind the line <laughs> and hoping it goes forward.
1: It's like a statue on wheels with the quarterback pushing him. <laughs> right.
0: And that was funny. But CJ Anderson, you cannot disregard how effective he was at the end of last season with the Rams.
1: Into the playoffs yeah. and late in the season, he was arguably the best running back in the National Football League from a production standpoint.
0: So instead of saying this looks like a mimic of LeGarrett Blunt, what this feels like a little bit more, and not to the same extent, but maybe, is it feels like. The Dolphins adding Gore to Kenyon Drake, where Kenyon Drake has all the talent that Kenyon yeah. Carryon Johnson has, but they're like, well, here's this guy though, and throw him in there, because the staff wants to run the ball more, and they're saying that we also don't want to overwork Carry-on Johnson, and we want to, you know, manage his load big time in his sophomore season. I think they know they're not going to win, and I don't think they want to kill Carry-on Johnson, especially with the knee injury history. I'm saying he's a keeper, but I'm saying keep an eye on C.J. Anderson because I think they're bringing him in for a bigger role than what we think. Um, he could simply be the handcuff, and if he is, it's not—you know—he's not the worst handcuff by any means. But no. at 185, there's a lot more potential there because if he gets a workload that I'm having in my head, like Gore with carry with Kenny and Drake, there's a lot of value to be had in that, especially with how efficient he was for the with the Rams. I don't think he's that good. I think the Rams helped him out being that good. But he could still be functional. And um, for that reason, I I got my eye on him a little bit. I mean, he's not my favorite sleeper by any means, but why not? You're going to do worse at 185, I think.
1: 100% agree with you on all accounts. I don't really have a lot to add besides, yeah, I think C.J. Anderson's year was very good. So it adds a lot of intrigue because that's a little bit of a resurgence. And even when he lost his job previously in Denver... It's not like he was playing bad when he right. lost it. It's just they so. had different
0: expectations and wanted more.
1: Sure. And he's definitely a big power back to go along with a more v- well-versed... A small
0: power back. Yes. <laughs> a tiny little guy. <laughs> let, me re-
1: <laughs> let me rephrase that. The bowling ball yeah. that, that he is. I mean, he ran so well last season, but you looked at him and it was like, wow, you are very, very large, my friend, for your stature. Yeah, Definitely not a scat back. So I think that... He, they're trying to give that compliment to the thunder lightning combo and i think he's the thunder that lightning and i think he definitely could get a fair number of carries probably not enough to really could be considered a 50-50 but enough to add intrigue sure cool then we
0: did you is he your sleeper?
1: No, i'm just, oh, okay. I'm just agreeing with you. Okay.
0: I think you said you said Marvin
1: Jones. Yeah, Marvin Jones is my sleeper.
0: Then do we have the same creeper i wonder?
1: Mr. Galladay? We do. Yeah, oh my goodness. Look at that. We weren't exactly the same, but we, we were exactly close. We weren't exactly the same.
0: We just differed in sleeper a little bit. And, yeah. and I I kind of like your take on Marvin Jones. You said um, inefficient for Marvin Jones, but inefficient with volume, but he was actually pretty efficient with what he had. He's just Oh yeah, just his yardage outfit. was right.
1: good for the number of catches he oh. had. Mm-hmm.
0: So there's intrigue there. But yeah, I'm creeping on Galladay as well.
1: Yep. Ranked at 39 so far in the season, wide receiver 17. And let me be clear, his last season was excellent. Like, I, I was blown away by how good he was. So there's a lot of intrigue on being able to repeat that. But I think we both agree that they're definitely more of a run-first team and heading in that direction. Um, with On Johnson, C.J. Anderson, and Zenner all being effective running backs last season. Yeah. Um, none of them in the passing game, so they're going to be throwing a lot more downfield, probably run-and-gun sort of style offense here. But Stafford's been regressing like you were saying and so i'm looking at him stafford last season was in his lowest qbr since 2014 his lowest yardage total since 2010 and his lowest touchdown since 2012. you hate to hear that because it's almost been 10 years since he's played like that like we're looking at at least five or six so there was a lot of receiver changes in the season, which could have been a part of the problem there. But when you're looking at Marvin Jones having some of the most inaccurate throws his way and Galladay not being a whole lot better in that percentage, mm-hmm. I think his was something like 25, if I recall correctly, percent of his balls that he was targeted with were off target. So it's amazing that he put up the numbers he did with 70 catches and a thousand yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, But I just think with the stylistic changes, Marvin Jones being more, important to the team they added that tight end which he's probably gonna get at least a few catches here and there which is better than none that they got last year out of the tight end position when they let go of Ebron so I think Galladay just has a slight regression based on changes in targets to the offense I know that Theoretic's departure adds targets around the field but I think those are more likely to go to a tight end or a short receiver like Amendola sort of thing um so I don't know I I think Galladay just kind of is the odd man out there with the stylistic changes.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I agree. Um, And, like, you look at the season he had last year, and it was nice, but that volume also came with Tate traded, and then Marvin Jones going down week 9, week 10. So, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of that was, like, who else are you going to throw the ball to? Yeah. Um, And I think he is a talented receiver, but I just don't think the Lions can, you know, and Stafford mainly can support a... A uh, true out one, so that's where it gets interesting. It's like Allen Robinson. You know, we're saying we don't really trust him. He's a kind of a creeper, but at the same time, Kenny Galladay ranked a little bit above him. Is who's more of a creeper? I, I don't know.
1: I think They're Galladay is similar. Yeah,
0: I think Galladay's a better receiver, but it's not a better offense. So it's all about that yeah. opportunity again. And now this season, like I just said, opportunity. It went from being no Tate, no Jones to a bunch of hodgepodge to this season. Marvin Jones healthy again. Like you said, Hawkinson drafted. Danny Amendola, who isn't going to put up huge fantasy numbers, but he's going to be like, you know, a Gabriel targets. almost. He's going to get his slot stuff, because Saffrey loves a slot receiver.
1: I bet all of the theoretic t- targets go to him yeah. in this offense this year.
0: Yeah, and some to carry on. But but also, you're in, there's another name that you're missing. is Jesse James they brought in on a nice big contract. That's a very
1: good point. Yeah, um, I did see that.
0: So there's... I think they're going to run a little bit more too tight end stuff, and they're going to be taking... There's way too way too many names, not in the same sense as the Vikings, because there's a lot of names on the Vikings, but they are way more talented players than the Lions.
1: And proving that they can all contribute in the same offense. Yeah.
0: But there's too many man names in Detroit that I don't think can be supported by Detroit.
1: And that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that, because it's a thing that I always like to bring up as well. T- players on a good offense are going to be more effective Mm -hmm. than players on a bad offense. This is the counterpoint to the opportunity factor, is it's opportunity in a different format. If you have the best player on a bad team, they're going to get all the opportunity, for sure. But offenses like the Rams prove that if you're moving the ball, it gives Mm -hmm. you more plays. You're not having three and outs, and so the more plays is that opportunity translated in a different way. So if you have an effective offense... More players win. There's two opportunity boxes you want to check mark off.
0: Opportunity within the team, opportunity on
1: the team. Yes, I completely. That's a very simple way of putting it. Well done. So, and so I think the Lions are a team that has plenty of opportunity for people from a playing time standpoint that look intriguing, but together, I don't know if that offense is good enough to facilitate all of them working out. Yeah. So. I think I'm a little hesitant to say that, like you're like you're saying that it's going to be excellent. I think you're looking at a lot of running back threes. Or no, I shouldn't say that. I think you're looking at like probably a running back two with Carryon Johnson that's really solid with right. up, upside of one, and then you're looking at two wide receiver twos right there with Galladay Marvin Jones, and then
0: maybe you're being a little bit too lenient. Maybe a wide receiver two and a wide receiver three.
1: You're probably accurate yeah. based on the offense here, mm-hmm. and so. And then, and and then, then you got the two tight, tight ends, ends that yeah. are both probably like 15th rated, 16th rated on the season. I don't even know. It's hard to project exactly. But basically what I'm saying is, yeah, I think we're on the same page of you're not going to get probably a complete all-star unless it's probably On Johnson mm-hmm. putting the whole team on his back and moving it downfield. Because mm-hmm. otherwise there's a little bit of competition at the wide receiver position when it's not a passing offense. Yeah. I think they're just going to siphon away too many looks from each other Yep, to be extremely valuable.
0: So really not a podcast for lions or bears fans. Yeah. Lions Not being
1: too full of love.
0: All right. What is it? Lions, tigers, bears. Oh my. Oh packers. Opacas. Opacas. Whatever they're called. <laughs> so here we are, last team <laughs> Yes, of our first podcast, and it feels good, being. it feels like fall now that we're doing this.
1: Doesn't it? That's it's nice. my favorite time of year for so yeah. many reasons, and football's no small reason why.
0: Right, and we're going to go outside and it's not fall quite yet, but unfortunately, <laughs> here we are with Green Bay on our last segment, and where I was thinking that green, I'm creeping on Chicago, I, I can't even say I have a creeper on this team, and I'm kind of excited about all of them.
1: I had the same problem. I started this roster a long time. I don't have a creeper. Looking for a creeper? I, I, I have one, but I, it's with a huge asterisk and caveat of don't get me wrong on this. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. All
0: right, then. Where are we starting? You, you start. This is your favorite team. So you start with your keeper.
1: Okay. Well, my keeper. Here we go. Or whatever.
0: If you want to reverse it, you can.
1: How about I get my creeper out of the Do way it. here? Do it. And it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. So... Mostly this is just because I think the offense played about as bad as it could last season, Mm -hmm. considering the talent they had on it. Aaron Rodgers had a very big down year last year, and so him being ranked as quarterback two I don't think is egregious, but maybe just slightly a little off. Um, he's ranked right now at 73. So that makes me think, okay, that's probably about right in a deep quarterback class to get Mm -hmm. him around that general area seems completely fine. Mm -hmm. When you look at the people surrounding him, he's probably a better investment than most of the people that are surrounding him. But it's one of those guys where I think I'm wanting to skip quarterbacks because the depth there is so much. I'm looking right. at, like, Philip Rivers at 19th quarterback, Kirk Cousins at 20th. And you're not even drafting those people,
0: unless you're in a league that randomly drafts two quarterbacks. Right. But
1: but I'm, I'm talking, like, replacement-level streaming quarterbacks aren't really going to hurt you right. that bad this year. No. And so, in general, that's my more my message here. But here's the, the argument for why Rodgers might not play much better, like a lot of people might think. Um, and that's just that lack of proven receivers in the offense. Although a lot of young ones that could improve, they added a tight end with a s- Stoneburner. I think is how you pronounce that last name, Jake Stoneburner. Um, you got still got Jimmy Graham, who they're saying is in better shape. But I mean, we hear this a lot. You
0: well, know, how can you not be in better shape when your hand's not broke? Yep. So
1: that's a fair point. But <laughs> you're in pretty bad shape if you're if you're a broken bone in your hand. Yeah. Um, and Allison's healthy again after both of them being hurt from last year. And I like both of them a lot from an opportunity standpoint, but the receivers are deep with Allison, who I like the most of this little group here, but we got like Jamal Moore, who was the highest pick from all of this a couple years ago. Jake Kummerow actually was starting to get a little bit of targets in last season, not really from a fantasy standpoint relevant, but a couple for limiting things, Valdez Scantling and Aquamia St. Brown all at times looked like the number two receiver last season. But Allison, I thought, was the best before he went down with the injury, and they changed offensive coordinators this season, so into uh, Matt LaFleur, and being the new offensive-minded head coach from the Titans. Mm -hmm. Um, He ran a more power-style offense over there in Tennessee, and they have two running backs on this Packers team that... And they drafted a couple of late-round running backs as well. So it makes me think that they might be looking to run more if they draft tight end two running backs and then pick up a, the Titans offensive coordinator as a head coach. So all that's basically for me just trying to say, it's there's a lot of question marks on how Aaron Rodgers' offense is gonna look this season. And I'm a little worried that 25 touchdowns might not be the floor, but it might be more of the middle ground of what I'm expecting on the season. So. I think with if there's a breakout of Valdez-Scantling or Aquamia-St. Brown or Allison this season, Geronimo Allison, I think we're looking at a better offense. But until then, I think he might be a low-end top-five quarterback. And uh, I'm probably not super excited about drafting him.
0: See, I think you're being a little bit hard on your guy. And I don't necessarily like Aaron Rodgers. And I don't, I know you're not creeping on him hard. But not at he all. played through a horrible injury. For the most part of last season, which I think was extremely yeah. limiting, and I give him props for doing that. Yeah. Um. So, I think he's fine. I think, he, like you said, though, it is a deep quarterback class. So I mean, I'm I'm just creeping on anybody that's yeah a high ranked quarterback, really, because like you said, like in all other people that you'll find in your league, and like really, you're going to take like three quarterbacks. Like, uh, <laughs> like what are you even do? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. This is if you're in standard leagues, of course. But yes, I think yeah. in standard leagues, oof.
0: But, anyways, even if there's an abundance of people, you're looking at some of the worst quarterbacks are even matchup playable with, I think, Foles and like, and until he proves himself Garoppolo, honestly. He's, he had the four games when he got there, but you got to mm-hmm. show me
1: something. He's, he's more towards the bottom. I don't even stream Garoppolo. So I'm, oh, like, for sure. Right. Personally, I, I think Garoppolo very interesting because what's changed since he was being rated very highly right. as like a low end QB1? Right. To me, he had a giant injury season with an ACL tear, but he had plenty of time to get it, healed. So I don't know. Their weapons are better there in San Francisco now than they were when he originally got there. So I don't. Well, yeah, I don't have
0: Creeper, so I'm going to go ahead and get my Keeper then. Cool. Yeah, go cool. for it. And it's the wide receiver number one in all of fantasy sports for me, and that's Devontae Adams. <laughs> mm. I, I'm not. I don't feel as good about anybody at all. Um, in comparison to I actually have him On like his own tier Of wide receivers Whoa um, Not that he'll be That much significantly better But I'm feeling that good About drafting him Over DeAndre Hopkins Over any of those people I, Devontae Adams Is Legit with his efficiency His targets yes. And red zone targets Are so good They really do support What he does um, And and that was with A banged up Rogers Pretty much All all of last season mm-hmm. um, I like Devontae Adams I think he's so safe um, you're you're kind of saying like let's stay away from, him, but and Lafleur was it? Let's be honest. I I think as I was looking more at Lafleur when we first talked about him, his kryptonite is Dion Lewis.
1: <laughs> it seemed like it.
0: it. Like the the dumbest perception of who Dion Lewis was as a player, maybe the whole Titans organization. To hand him that contract
1: Yeah Probably
0: Like he was dogging on the Patriots For not signing him But bro The Patriots had your number He had one of the worst
1: efficiencies In yeah. all of the NFL <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking like In the tier of LeGarrette Blunt Inefficient
0: Yeah like, Ugh. Yeah So uh, That was his tonight. But before that We're looking at the Offensive coordinator For the Rams We're looking at The quarterback coach For the Falcons And those He did great Great offenses And uh, Matt Ryan And Goff Both took off Um so I'm thinking that isn't bad. He's wanting to turn Rodgers back into play-action passing, which Rodgers hasn't been a fan of. But the last time he did play-action passing for the majority of his passes, he was an MVP season. So take him back to that. I'm digging that. Um, and what was cool about Devontae Adams last season is he had one of the top five, definitely one of the top five, hardest schedules for wide receivers, for wide receiver ones in the league with the secondaries and everything he was going to, limiting numbers. So, doing it last season, there's no reason he's going to do it again. Maybe there isn't as much volume to him, but there's even going to be more efficiency because this is going to be a better wide receiver, a a better offense um, this season. So, I'm loving Devontae Adams, and I'm
1: taking him again. I completely agree. Devontae Adams is my keeper for this team, and I don't know how I can come up with a single argument that would indicate that he's not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. He has great chemistry with Rodgers. Like what I was saying, all those young receivers have question marks by him, but I think one will step up this year. It's just a matter of who. My money's on probably Geronimo Allison, but what I'm not concerned about is Devontae Adams will receive a lot of targets and be very effective in this offense. Um, Last season, through 16 weeks of the NFL season, he was the number one fantasy wideout. Um, He didn't play week 17. That kind of dropped him down a little bit. But he had 169 targets last year for 111 receptions. That's exceptional. 1386 yards and 13 touchdowns. Gotta love it. Mm -hmm. The next leading receiver in the offense was Jimmy Graham at 89 targets, 73 with Scantling. Um, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, but no receiver had over two touchdowns besides him. So he's a huge red zone target. Yeah. you, you got to love to see that. He's clearly the number one in the whole offense. Um, best person to move the ball, period, in the run game and pass game. mm mm-hmm. um, And then with the new head coach, LeFleur, I think it'll be a more balanced offense. And like you're saying, with play Yeah, action I think he's going to run or run
0: the ball more. I think he does. But I think at the same time, that's also to the credit of Mike McCarthy hating to run, which was So wonderful. Much. yeah. So
1: anybody wants to run the ball more than him. Yes. I think it'll be a healthy balance. It's not going to be like Rodgers isn't going to do his job. For sure he's going to throw the ball in this offense. But what you have is a receiver with three straight 10 touchdown seasons and all three over 885 yards. And so you're getting a a guy with this season projecting to me to see 75 catches at least, 1,000 yards at least, and 10 touchdowns at least. I would be blown away if he didn't achieve all three of those. So, I mean, he was well over that la- last year, and I think you just might see a little bit of a decrease in yardage, but not by a lot, not enough to really matter. Right. So, I definitely love Devontae Adams this cool. season as well. I might not take him at wide out one, but as a first round wide receiver, yes. I, I can never, I would never say it's a mistake for anyone to take him as a wide out one in the first round.
0: Wide I don't I, baby. like
1: Hopkins just a little better, personally, just a little better.
0: I like Rodgers much better than Deshaun Watson, although it doesn't <laughs> matter who's throwing the ball to Hop- Hopkins, but at the same time, it, it's close. I like DeAndre Hopkins a lot, too, but give me that Green Bay offense.
1: All right. I'd
0: like to hear that as a fan. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: well, you've got two people down, then I'll go with one of my sleepers. Um, two, two names you've mentioned a bunch, and let's just go ahead and start with sleeper Geronimo Allison. I couldn't agree that. At 102. A um, little bit interesting that although Valdo Scantling had a pretty good success last season as a slot receiver, Allison is going to be starting as a slot receiver. Um, recovered from a groin injury, I wish they would have gave him a higher contract than just one year. Yeah. So he isn't my true number one sleeper. He is a sleeper. I'm saving my number oh. one sleeper for last um, oh. on this team. But he's still a sleeper. I think all, th- all three of the guys I'm going to mention are going to function pretty dang well. Um, there's mm. enough to go around. You know, there's, we're saying, I don't think the Lions can feed all these people. I don't think the Bears can feed all these people. Green Bay can feed all these wide receivers. And um, I think Jeronimo Allison in the slot is going to be pretty successful. He's going to be better than Randall Cobb has been in the slot. Um, Completely agree with that. So, there you go. I like Jeronimo Allison at 102. He's going to be... Honestly, this offense, we're, I didn't even mention that. I didn't even think about it until now. But we're bringing LeFleur from the Rams offensive coordinator look at Robert Woods, look at Cooper Cup, look at um, Cook. And and that's what I think we're getting here.
1: He definitely has that talent level. He's like one of those long, lanky receivers, runs pretty well. Injuries are just the big thing with him. Because mm-hmm. last season, I mean, he played in five games, but he had 20 catches and 302 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that's a pretty good start. Yep. If you extrapolate out those numbers, that means he's getting five catches a game for 60 yards and half a touchdown, like .4 touchdowns mm-hmm. a game. That that would be very nice to have every given week as a flex receiver coming into the season. Mm-hmm. I'd feel great about playing him every single sure. week. And if you're getting him at wide receiver 52, yeah. wowza, okay. He's 126 on ESPN, so it's even a little lower there. So uh, to me, it, Scantling could conceivably take away some of his targets there, and it might be not a home run for him to have a huge breakout, but he's my favorite in this offense. And this offense is definitely going to be able to facilitate at least two great receiving threats.
0: Yeah. Cool. And that's it, right? You don't have another player listed. Nope. Then I'll finish it off with my last sleeper on this team, and who I like actually more than Allison is Marquez Valdez-Scantling at 116 on Yahoo! reigning overall. Okay. And you got to love him putting together rookie season that looked like that because rookie wide receivers hardly find success. Um, and what was neat is, yeah, he did well in the slot. He looked good in the slot while he was doing that. Um, but he had awesome success on 20 yards plus plus. Um, Completions, Blowing away competition, actually, at that. And even with Adams included in this, he had the highest yards of separation on routes than anybody on the team. Um, Tons of talent. Already put it together rookie season, which you like. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Nothing but rave reports on all these guys. But I think with them only giving a a year deal to Allison, I think they see that Scantling and Aquanius, or whatever his name is, as well, stepping in maybe a year later. But I think Scantling is the guy this year, the number two on this team. Not much more over Allison. I think it's a it's a close rating, but I like Scantling to be the number two on the team. And bada bing, bada boom. I, I think right. he's. I think he's. I think it's a good offense. I don't think you're going wrong drafting Packers.
1: No, I think they're all pretty pretty good. They're rated pretty appropriately for the most part. I think across the board. Yeah. So it's hard to say anyone's being completely missed out on like Jimmy Graham had some interest but I think he's about where I'd want him his touchdowns are
0: going to rebound a little bit but he's still on the way out
1: yeah it's a matter of how much he's able to channel old Jimmy Graham and my money's not very much on that it's not old Jimmy Graham by any means but tight ends
0: always so blah so maybe there's something there
1: yeah if you're not the top three this year for the biggins or let's say Mm -hmm. four even I'll even give him four in the league I think you have a pretty big drop yeah. off from that point where there's just inconsistency everyone's had something that would be interesting about them but I don't know how to rely on them consistently
0: no
1: all right that's it that's episode one in the books maybe you got I, anything? I think so I'll just say I, I didn't mention Aaron Jones but I think I like him this season I think especially if LeFleur decides to run a little more yeah but I think he's appropriately rated I think you're going to be pretty good about where you're at and he's coming off an injury so there is a little bit of intrigue there from a negative standpoint Yeah. but I like him
0: yeah, he's got the injury history too. Already dealing with a hamstring injury, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, when it comes to talent, he's one of the most talented. Question is, yeah, it, will there five. be any frustration with blocking fumbles, anything like that? Um, where Jamal Williams Man. totally is a much better, a safer carrier, a better pass blocker. Nowhere near the the talent though. But yeah, they well, got two good backs. I mean, Jamal Williams on another team is solid. Yeah. Trying to think of somebody off the top of my head but,
1: eh. and There's a handful Kind of yeah. like that That are just solid But you know, not very exciting From right. a running standpoint Packers offense is Also has the 8th rated offensive line Based on pro football focus right now But they are primarily pass blockers Like a lot of their people pass block yeah. Run blocking is their weakness But they're definitely not a liability If you're right. up at 8 right. <laughs> for their rankings right. so I think everyone can succeed in this offense Absolutely well, I don't got anything to add. Anything else? No, I think that's everything. Thanks for listening. Yeah, get ready for these drafts. Pay attention, keep an eye on everything, and we'll try to give you as many tips as we can for helping you with the draft. You got it. A new
0: episode every Monday for right now, so keep tuning in. Keep tuning in.